0: Welcome to The Leadership Line, a podcast that covers everyday work issues. From dealing with jerks at work to feeling burnt out, Tammy and Scott's experience, along with their different perspectives, help listeners grow, examine realistic options and alternatives, and identify those actionable solutions to the tough issues we face every day at work. All right. So as Scott mentioned, the war on talent is on. So as a hiring manager right now, it's more important than ever to not only have good interviews, but then make the right decision in hiring. So how do you go about making that right decision?
1: It is important if you're a hiring manager or you're HR, you're a recruiter, each role has a little bit different function. I think if we talk about it from the overall perspective and then each organization can pick, hey, this is how we should do it.
0: I
2: think actually the first thing to recognize is... That if we look at what's happening in the United States, we are dissatisfied with six out of seven of our hires. If we are dissatisfied with six of our seven hires, let's just admit our hiring process is broken, right? The thing that's kind of funky about that is we're dissatisfied. That doesn't mean that we can fire those people, right? They're doing their job okay but not enough for us to go, yes, they're hitting the potential that I saw in the interview process. And so now we're stuck with them. So that piece to really sit down and go, all right, I have okay staff, but I did not get the superstar. I think that's the biggest pain. Yes. I know we have to rehire if I have a loser, but the fact of the matter is, is oftentimes I just get someone
1: that's barely okay. And for me, That's even more painful. It's important to really step back and say, it's not about looking at, well, what did the person before do or what is my ginormous wish list of everything? No, what are the likely 10 to 15 core things that that role will do?
2: Absolutely. If you can really get down and say, what do we need this person to do and what is good to excellent look like. So if someone's in this role and they perform at this particular level, that's good. And if we got really lucky, if we got had someone who was like awesome, like what's that? So what is that performance? What does that look like? And that includes how they go about going their, doing their work, the quantity of work they're able to get in that time period as well as the task itself.
1: Yeah, and I think it's more than the task. It's what's the output. So what's the outcome? What's the work output? What's the deliverable thing, the tangible thing that they are going to produce and and that's likely 10 to 15 things.
2: And, And Scott, that piece of it, right? It's what is the output, the results. It's also the quantity of that result that we're looking for because, you know, I can put out one perfect product a year. Okay. And the question is, is in the our organization, what does speed look like? And that's different for every organization. So I need to know what the work pow- or output is. I need to know what the speed of the organization is. And Scott, I need to know how that person's going to behave at work because we t- typically don't fire them because they can't do the task. We typically have problems because behaviorally, it doesn't work inside of our organization right. and that's the person that we ended up getting really frustrated with so it is what's the work what's the output what is the speed of that output and how do they interact with our organization the way we think the way we act okay the way our people are
1: yeah and it, it is interesting when you look at the the research i chuckle about this research because many times we put a lot of emphasis on like grade point average. Oh my goodness. And and when you look at the predictor of success in a role, grade point average is like seven percent or something like that. it's less than 10%.
2: Well, I was gonna percent. say in my understanding of that stat, if we kind of dig into it, is when we look at our degree, grade point average or licenses, right? even put a little bit of experience in that. That's like less than 10% of whether or not that person is going to be successful in the role. That's why it's so stupid to look at just tasks and say, have they done it before? Do they have the right education? Because it's a tiny little percentage, 10% of whether or not that person is going to be successful. The other 90% has to do with how we behave and how we get along with others. And the quality, speed of that work.
1: Yeah. And and I just interviewed an an intern and uh, they said to me, well, do you, do you want me to go over my background? And I said, Oh, you know, I I appreciate the offer and this will be an interview you probably have never experienced before. (laughs) And I said, and please don't. And I, and I just, I said to her, I said, I don't want you to, to misinterpret, you know, my, my intentions. I do want you to understand I am capable of reading your resume. So I don't need you to, I don't need you to, to tell me. And we just laugh about like her whole experience of all these interviews is like, I tell you what's on my resume. And I'm like, what a colossal waste of time.
2: Oh my gosh. Oh. It's like going into a meeting and have them read us their PowerPoints. Yeah. Right. Uh, I love, not- I love the fact that you called her on it. And of course, that's what everybody thinks. It's like interviews follow this yeah. formula.
1: T- tell nice. me about what you've thing done the last working don't care.
2: Yeah. the Like don't use that formula. That formula does not work. If what's on that resume is accurate. Okay.
1: We can, and we can validate that. We
2: can validate okay. that.
1: If we, if we really think that, and I may need to ask some technical questions if there's some outputs that are super technical or, yeah. or, you know, if, if you're looking for it folks or, you know, certain te- you know, technical things, I may need to do some sort of a knowledge assessment there Yes, please. If you are hiring people to design bridges, please make sure that they're real engineers. That is important. <laughs>
2: yeah. Make sure they know how to use CAD. That's kind of important, right? Okay. But a piece about that is that can all be done at what I would call upfront. Up front, up front offline. Yep. With someone that is the big the hiring manager and all of that. Let that's all that's just saying yes or no. Do you have it or don't you have
1: it? So I, I'm thinking, Tammy, we should talk through what we see as the best practice if you're going to hire a role. So if you say, I'm going to hire someone, I believe this is best practice. And I think you believe the same thing, regardless of size. You're a an entrepreneur and you're just starting out and you just have, you know, I'm going to hire my first role. You follow this process. We're a fortune 500 company and we have 10,000 employees. The process is the same.
2: I do think the process is the same. And unfortunately, I think most people don't follow the right process. They follow what I would consider the old process and the old process is broken and doesn't work.
1: So the first thing, what are those outcomes or deliverables, work products, however you want to determine that?
2: What does success look like in the job and make sure you have that whole picture. So define success with all of those factors that we've already talked about. That's, that's step number one. Mm -hmm. What's step number two, Scott?
1: Uh, Then you say, okay, what are the behavioral norms? What are the behaviors that you would expect? And those likely align with values and the culture of your organization There's also a piece of what are the behaviors that are going to give you the likely best outcome when you compare it against the things you need that person to do. And there are ways and there are ways to do that. You can you can write them out. You can use a tool. We, of course, uh, are very fond of predictive index. There is a methodology that you can use science to say these are the things that we want. We want them to do. Um, That is one one tool. There are others out there. So I think the second one is what is that target? What is that sweet spot? What would you do next?
2: Do you know, Scott, that's when I start the process of developing the job ad. Now back in my day, we put those ads in the paper. We now put them in all sorts of places electronically. However, they're just like we use keywords to find things in Google right? There are keywords that are going to attract people to your organization and to that particular position. So when you actually write that job ad, you need to be thinking about what are the kinds of words and adjectives and descriptors that make your organization unique, as well as make the specific job unique. Because, If you put something in like this that says, you know, uh, we're looking for a person who is a self-starter and who enjoys um, creating something from scratch, that is very different than we're looking for someone to follow a process and to do it perfectly every time after they're trained. Those are two different individuals. There's nothing wrong with one or the other. Some jobs require the first one. Some jobs require the second one. So be very, very descriptive because you as a human being will be drawn to the one that is most like you. That helps you get candidates who are just going to naturally kind of behave in that way and helps narrow down the pool and make
1: sure that you are attracting the talent that matches the position. And then... Once you have that determined and, and you're starting to get applicants or you're, you're going out and you're searching LinkedIn and you're recruiting, whichever <laughs> tactic you use, and, and likely both, um, then you structure your interview in a way that says, okay, yep, I'm going to review their resume and, and I may have a small conversation about kind of what they've done. Actually, very <laughs> minimal
2: And Scott, honestly, you and I may see that one a little bit differently. I call that kind of the first, right? The first interview. And I usually use someone, a clerical individual, someone that um, all I'm looking for is for them to verify information for me. And I do that via phone. Don't even do that as a Zoom call. I'm like, hey, we have your resume. I'd like to go over a few things with you. And I'm looking at things like, If there are basic job requirements that they must have, I'm going to verify it. Do you have a BA in this particular area? What kind of salary are you looking for? Um, Your work hours, is there restrictions on? So all of the pieces around, if they don't have this, we are actually not going to hire them. And so that individual is just what I call qualifying And In that qualification, it's qualifying the data on their resume and they're doing the first check of behavior. How did they answer their phone? Were they excited? When you asked a simple question, why did you choose us? If they can't answer that, that means they were just sending resumes out or responding to anything. I don't want someone that's responding to anything. I want them to respond specifically to us. So there's a little bit of qualification that says, is this person really excited about us? And do they meet the basic requirements of the job? I think that happens happens in a phone interview. And it's typically 15 minutes,
1: Scott. I mean, it's fast. Yeah. And I, I do see that the same way. I, the only thing I do a, a little bit different is I, I assume that that first one is going to cover though the deeper questions that you do in the, in the second step. I think that's true. I just end the interview early.
2: <laughs> if, if it doesn't work out.
1: I just co- shorten my questions if we're like, okay, this is not going to fit. My questions just get shorter and and we're like, oh, and then let's talk about what's next in the selection process. And <laughs> I'm a little bit
2: more forthright. <laughs>
1: so uh, let's yeah. talk
2: about that next step because I'm really forthright in the next step, yeah. right? Yeah. So whether it's a continuation of making sure you're qualified or you've done it in two steps, in the next piece of this, what really for me happens is I start asking questions to find out who they are as human beings. So I'm not using normal, everyday kind of questions. I am using questions where truly I'm trying to find out who they are, what they value, how they see the world, what is their work ethic, all of those types of things and Scott, when I ask those deeper questions, like talk to me about your very best leader, why they were a great leader. If they give me all of what I consider the standard, I looked it up in Google Answers, I call them on it. And I'm like, you know, I, you're giving me good answers, but I don't believe that they're answers that are really reflective of who you are. I think they're the standard right answers. And if you continue to give me standard right answers, that's great. That's okay. But please know... It means that I don't know who you are. And if I don't know who you are, I can't hire you, which means you will not be eligible. So the question is, do you want to get real and honest with me? Or do you want to end the interview early? And I give them two more questions. And if they are unable to get past veneer, I thank them and we quit. (laughs) Now, I know that's bold, but that's exactly what I do.
1: Yeah, because if they're... and. and, and, and again, mine is, I. we have that conversation. I'll finish the questions. They'll just be very, it will just be a shorter interview. Again, it's not about the time of the interview. What we're really think the important thing to take away is it's about saying, am I getting real answers to help me understand behaviorally, am I getting a good picture? Because the next step is really to... to for, as you're reflecting back on that experience, you're saying, here's what I heard and here's what I interpreted behaviorally. And when they take that assessment, you're matching that up to say, does one plus one equal two? Did I misinterpret? Did I see something different that I I didn't understand them right? Or are they just way different than we need? And if they're way different than we need behaviorally, they go in the no pile.
2: And Scott, I I agree with you. I will also tell you the reason why I'm so bold, you know, I give them a couple chances and then I get really bold, is I have found that there are individuals that especially when they are more introverted, they are just like holding on. Like, oh my gosh, I am, I'm struggling and this is hard for me. And these people are asking me questions. And so they prepped so much that we don't even get to see them. And I want them to know, I don't care if you don't answer this thing perfectly. And I don't care because there's not really a right answer to my questions. I need you to just say, here I am for a little bit. And if I can't get someone to reveal for a little bit, then unfortunately, I don't have enough information. And then on the other side, I have that person that's like all polished and perfect and all that stuff. And again, I don't want to see polished and perfect. I want to see the human being. And too often, organizations do not fight to go see the human being. They take the veneer, and that's the mistake. And in their questions, Scott, they give them the answer. It goes like this. So teamwork is really important around here. Well, how do you feel about teamwork?
1: <laughs> well, I think teamwork's really important.
0: <laughs> Let me tell you about
2: Mr. Obvious, right? I mean, we do that all the time in our questions. In the first 15 minutes, let me tell you about the company. Let me tell you about the position. Let me tell you why we're great. Well, if you're smart at all, you'll take what they gave you in the first 15 minutes and just weave it into all of your answers. And by the way, do you want to hire someone who's not smart enough to do that? (laughs) Right? So we make so many mistakes in that place where we are giving them way too much money, giving them all of the information about the company. I love not giving them the information about the company and seeing if they've done their homework. What did you learn on our website? What was most interesting out there for you? Why is that important to you? Okay. Those questions are not questions that, if they're answering them honestly, are easy, right? If someone came to your website, Scott, right, what would you like want them to notice and say about your company based upon your website? I know what I want them in mind. Yeah. I want, I mean, really. And I want them to be able to talk about it like in depth, not like just the home page. Yeah.
1: So what has so we we've we've mapped out what the job is, we've figured out behavior, what we want, we've posted it, we've done that initial kind of do they fit interview, whether you did that one short one and a longer one or all in one having those pieces in the process is more important than whether you do it in one shot or two.
2: Correct. And And you talked about an assessment, Scott, where do you put that assessment?
1: I do that after the um, behavioral questions. Mm -hmm. So I I do the behavioral questions just in that one-on-one conversation. And then I am based on my experience and my interaction with them. I am guessing Right. I'm assessing what did I interpret. And then they take the assessment and I compare mine. To what the actual result is. And I see, are we similar? Are we different? What other what other questions do I need to ask or clarify if we if I'm going to meet with them again?
2: One of the reasons why I love the predictive index, Scott, for that assessment is because. It's such a valid instrument. The science is really, really sound. And so what's wonderful about that is if I believe I've met this person, because I've mapped it out based upon my interview, and then I have them take the assessment. And if those two things match or match close enough, I actually feel like my confidence level goes up. It's like, okay, I didn't meet someone else, the person that they're trying to be. I actually met that human being. And when I know, right, within a shadow of a doubt that the person I met is real, then I have the ability to say, okay, let's put it against that job. And let's make sure that it is something that this person is going to actually use their strengths in a place where they can add value to the organization, because when they add value, they're excited about being there. When they're excited about being there, that's engagement. And when we talk about that engagement piece, a big part of this is making sure that the work that they are doing and the culture, the behavioral culture that they're coming in is a good match for them. That gives us a best chance of increasing that engagement kind of score.
1: And then I think each, each organization may have background checks and all of that stuff. Again, that's, that's later to me. I do one more interview after that
0: and it's really to
1: confirm. Mm -hmm. And then it's job offer and I'm ready to make a job offer at that interview.
2: I come ready at that interview.
1: So I'm ready with offer in hand to say, hey, we like you, here you go.
2: Well, especially in this world where we have so f- few people. I mean, like, you know, there's 10 people in the, uh, in the old world, I should say, you know, we might have 100 people that wanted a job. Now it's like we're on the negative side of that, right? So it's really tough to find talent. But, Scott, I do have to ask you one more question. How do you differentiate between, okay, and awesome.
1: Well, you know, I have a magic eight ball that seems to work okay.
2: <laughs> I love that answer. I think that is how so many people do it, right? And,
1: and I actually have the magic eight ball on my Apple watch. I can just say, is this person awesome? Signs point to yes. Apparently they're awesome.
2: <laughs> Apparently I'm awesome.
1: <laughs> so, I, it, it really is. It's it's qualitative. So, what were their answers? How did they interact? Were they Were they true to who they are? Um, are they excited or have some sort of interest about being here? Okay, so here is one of my
2: clues on that: energy giver, energy vampire. Okay, that piece right there is one of the things that is going to differentiate your candidates. When you left that room, what's your energy level? Did you have to do all the work or did they contribute to a positive energy level? Or did they suck all the air out of the room? Guys, even if they're highly qualified, highly talented, have all the experience, if they're sucking all the air out of the room, ah, trust me, they're going to suck all the air out of your whole organization. So that's one of the pieces that I look for And it has nothing to do with the questions. It has to do with the interaction itself, right? To me, that's one of the things that distinguishes um, between whether someone's going to be really great or whether someone is just going to be okay in that spot. The other thing that I very, very specifically look for above and beyond energy is I want them to say yes to us. And people give us clues all of the time that they're not saying yes to us and we don't pay attention to those clues. So I think when you're making that job offer, Scott, and you have that piece of paper in hand, it's kind of something like this. You know, we've gone through and had lots of interviews with other candidates. And let me tell you why we're choosing you. We're choosing you because A, B, C, D, and we're being very specific about why we believe they can add value to the organization. And then I turn it around and I say, but before I give you this job offer, I want you to tell me why you're choosing us. Now, I have the offer in hand. They know that they are going to get that offer if the answer to this question is good. And if they cannot articulate, and I'll give them time, I'm not going to rush them. I'll let them think about it. But if they can't articulate why we, this company, is the place that they want to be, I withhold the offer. That's really hard to do, Scott. Yeah. Okay? Okay? Because you've narrowed it down to your choice. But I'll tell you what, guys. I want it to be a long-term choice. And I know we don't live in jobs the way that we used to, but two years. I'd like to have a couple of years with this person at least. And the fact of the matter is if they're not choosing me, they're just not into me. Same thing. If they're not choosing the company, they're not into the company. And they need to be. They need to think this is the best job ever, that they have a choice that they're not just doing it because it's the only offer.
0: And that wraps up this week's episode of The Leadership Line. As we mentioned in this podcast, we do utilize an assessment called the Predictive Index. If you're interested in taking that free assessment and getting a free readback with Scott or Tammy, check out the link in our description box. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.